all across Oklahoma. The wind has come creaking down the haunted plain. The trees bend to the will of the howling gusts as the voices of the ancient dead rise into a fever pitch. Monsters, ghouls, and goblins have converged on the state house for a final monstrous push to make a plan to take away all the money from the people while giving them absolutely nothing in return. <laughs> the cackles of the Congress <laughs> swell as they stir their witches' brew. A cup of petrol, eye of fowl, and tail of McCall. Stirred in a broth made of the bones of Scott Inman as Scott Pruitt in his black robes and pointed hat declares that the weather itself will obey the devilish commands of conservatives. They dance in a circle as the bats that live in Mary Fallon's hair swirl over the Capitol building. The night is dark and growing darker as the creatures of the night cover themselves in oil. Beware, my red friends, that these slick devils do not slip under your door and hide themselves beneath your bed, waiting for you to slip into blissful slumber, that they may declare your labor a taxable product of the state of Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home. In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned Many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian Nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Now we're down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Wait, what? My French? Didn't you say we? Maybe. Except you said oi, and... Like, that's an even worse, like, that's an even better oh, worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I actually heard the O in that word, and that's like not, it's, ugh. Anyway, I'm Adam Burnett. And I'm Carl Roberts. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. <laughs> we are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left politics and left politics in Oklahoma. How are you doing this week, Carl? Well, I'm actually a bit sick. Uh, I somehow managed to keep my mouth open all night, so I'm sorry, everybody, if my voice is raspy. I got a hot toddy to make it better, so Ooh. I'm working on it. Ooh, hot alcoholic beverages. Mmm, those sound tasty. When they're done right, it's professional, but when they're not, it's 100% the worst. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh... Your mold wine is one of my favorite things. Ooh, we had some yesterday, actually. I'm so it's about to be mold wine season. It's gonna be fun for a day, and then I'm gonna have to fight my way through the Christmas market, and I'm I, I might just jump out a window. It's gonna be terrible. Oh, uh, could be worse. You could have to drive everywhere in a car that's 12 degrees because <laughs> that's what you have to do if you live in Oklahoma. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Um, pluses and minuses, guys. Living anyway. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna turn to this week in national news. Um, uh, we we had this is kind of a uh, follower of our um, uh, Facebook story, um, and I thought this was really interesting. So Twitter will now label political advertisement, including who bought them and how much they are spending. 
this is uh, as reported by CNBC, uh, the Michelle Castillo program, uh, as I'll call it. Um, apparently, uh, Twitter has uh, built, uh, built uh, created a new quote-unquote transparency center that will have a database of all ads currently running on the platform and more, with more disclosure for political ads. Um, the new rules come as Twitter and other social platforms are under scrutiny from lawmakers for allowing Russian interference through online political ads. But like, um, I, I think it's really important. And, and like the first note I have on this is that like, like Twitter is able to do this because like there's, there's no free speech violation because you're using Twitter's platform. But like, there's some really interesting, like, like politic of ideas, like free marketplace and exchange of ideas discussion to be had with this. Like, is this infringement or not infringement is a really interesting like way to think about like what it is Twitter is doing. But at the exact same time, um, I also think this is kind of, you know, a day late and a dollar short, as they say, because one, Donald Trump's already president. Um, Scott Pruitt's already the ETBA chief, and, you know, Puerto Rico's already uh, parking Destroyed. Lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, it's kind of a day late. It's just kind of a dollar short, because, like, isn't the whole point of it that, like, you can just make a link to a webpage that looks like it has news on it, and then, like, that be, like, not true and all be fake? Like, I know you and I have both seen those. I know, if, like, our listeners who've been on the internet, like, you've seen memes <clears throat> or, like, read, like, go to any conservative forum right now and, like, look at the top eight stories. It's just, like, made-up shit that no one cares about or is just, like, blatantly lies. And, like, that spreads from there. So, like, why, like, I get, like, they want to do the advertising thing, but, like, we have a ton of disclosure on political advertising and, like, private advertising on, like, platforms like that. like. Russian bots well, that are just spamming like hashtag lock her up are not gonna be hit affected this. by this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also like you, you just you hire a lawyer in New York, D.C., Dallas. Who fucking cares where? You have the lawyer register a company. I mean, you just make a fucking shell company, and you call it like Americans for Politics or something, and then that's that's the people who show up. You're almost the, there. Delaware. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Delaware, because it's the only legal tax haven in the U.S. Um, any of those shady places, but so you just do that. I mean, you just do what guys. super PACs do now already. You get a name that like is so anodyne that it it doesn't even mean anything. It's Citizens even questionable United. if it's related to. Yeah, if 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 it's related to politics. Americans for progress. National Policy Institute. Um, I'm trying to think of other good ones. Um, I I think um, um DTs is still America First, which whatever that at least lets you know who it is. It's like Jeb Bush's was like, uh, uh, Americans for a brighter tomorrow or something like that. And I just like every time I saw it, I was like, it's like I don't know. Sometimes I see those ads and it's just like, all right, I gotta read the fine print underneath there, see what Super Pack ran this because I have no, I don't even know who this is for. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing, is that, like, we already have a problem where, no, you can't, <laughs> like, you can't figure out who the fuck is doing this. It just says this was not endorsed by the candidate, and that it could be whoever the, you know, mm-hmm. it, it could have been us for all you know. It could have been anybody. It could have been, I'll let our it could have been Kim Jong-un. It, it wasn't us, because we're poor. 
Or, yeah, yeah, importantly. But actually, my favorite super pack, Red Star over Oklahoma. I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, file that five hundred one c four. Get that going. That'll be. But no, it's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole thing. It's just like this. This is. Maybe the problem is political ads. Maybe we need like hyper regulation of how that works instead of this and, kind of okay, shit. Okay, you know? so that that that's like a really interesting thing. So one of the reasons why Twitter kind of did this is that um, Congress has been playing around with what they're calling the Honest Ads Act as a way of like kind of doing this like greater disclosure. But like as we've kind of already discussed, like one, it's like it doesn't really matter because you can make like the whole way all of these things work anyway is that like 501c4s and super PACs are designed to accept anonymous donations and then basically work as headless horsemen because they say they're not affiliated with candidates and then they're just pushing out and then yeah and then they work for a candidate but at the same time like it's actually very difficult to square that with some of the protections in the first amendment because, like, honestly, it is it is difficult when, you know, when we have a constitution and we have a political framework that says that the highest level of unregulated speech is political speech. Like, that is the realm in which we should be able to speak the most freely. But then, you know, it, 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 it is this weird conversation. And I think, honestly, like, I've thought about this quite a bit. And I think it honestly comes back down to capital. That, like, capital is both speech and a means and so it's different because like if i just hand jeb bush twenty thousand dollars like that conveys a message it it does and if i do it publicly or anonymously that conveys two other messages too and well and there's also at the same time it's a means for him but anyway yeah 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 i mean it's also i think you're totally right here about this but it's also one of those things where I mean, political speech is, like, speech is regularly regulated pretty heavily, um, and political speech also is heavily regulated. Like, super PACs can't say whatever they want. Super PACs have very strict rules about how they're supposed to behave, even if those rules are, are paper tigers on the most part, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then the reason why super PACs are so popular is because this whole argument that speech is money was challenged pretty heavily and put to a point where direct donations to campaigns are pretty massively limited for individuals and so people like sheldon adelson were like well how do i make sure that all those palestinian children die so i can continue living off their essence and how he had to do that was find a way to get around the regulation of political speech that already exists and is pretty stringent and so you know i'm all for like no you can't get in trouble for saying whatever you want but there's a huge distinction between you can't get in trouble for saying whatever you want and you have a right to crowd out the voice of other people. And exactly. if you look if you look at basically any other country, like the reason we have massive elections in the US to take fucking six years because these people start running ads before the election, before the one they're gonna run in and shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think of that far ahead, um what what happens in other countries is that they say this is horseshit. You cannot campaign except in a specific time frame. That doesn't hurt anybody's free speech, right? Mm-hmm. You still get to say whatever the fuck you want. But you have to campaign in those 60 days and you get fined massively if you don't. Or they say, you know, another thing that happens is pretty common is there's a public pool of money that everyone has access to. And they have access to the same amount of money. Or there's heavy regulation of what's being played on airwaves. So that if it's on the radio or on the news or something, everyone has to be given like once you are meeting certain requirements in terms of voting, which is a thing that exists in the U.S. as well, you get 
regulated access to everything to assure that you can't buy more influence. Yeah. And that actually is a better protection of free speech, fundamentally. Yeah, and, and like, so, I'll just tell you that, like, I had a conversation recently about how the First Amendment would work in regards to um, some of what they do, exactly what you're talking about, um, limiting election speech. And it just doesn't, it, it like, unfortunately, the way the courts are and the way the law has been interpreted, like, that's <clears throat> not allowed in the U.S. Like, it is actually unconstitutional, technically, in the way that it is understood. And that doesn't mean at all that I agree with that. I don't. I very much think that we'd be in a much better place if we didn't have the, that kind of thing. And we, we could actually use the exact, like what you're talking about is the answer. Public money, using tax dollars to fund, uh, one, <clears throat> get out of this two-party system and let's make this a plurality already. It's just dumb that we don't have, say, eight parties or yeah, honestly 12 or 16. Like, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you can't boil everyone in the U.S. down to two parties. And I, we both probably agree on this. It's, that's a voter suppression tool. Yeah, it is. Because, it, I mean, it, it keeps people from voting because they have to choose to vote between people they don't like. And yep. this is, again, a form of, like, I mean... Uh, that's a form, I think, uh, a, a much bigger form of hurting freedom of speech. And, and I think there's a massive problem with American constitutional law in this sense. And I mean, to some extent, you know, I, I'm very open to reformist positions and so on. But to what extent is the First Amendment able to do the work that we want it to do on the left if it's being read in this way? And if, 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 if the law, if the legal history of it is such that and the precedent that it can't be that we can't be making laws that that make politics a, a field of of even conflict rather than a field tipped massively in the favor of the rich. And and know? what I, and what I'll tell you is that I've read a lot of these cases and I've worked through a lot of these problems and I've really tried to sit down and think about this and how it can square. And I'll tell you, more often than not, I can square what the logic and the understanding of the justices and the judges with with themselves if we treat money as something that is if we treat it like capital with a capital c um you know i i think that if we actually look at it as you know money being a means and an ends and you know the things that it does and treat it as something that could be very technically abolished I think that all of these, all of these weird decisions we have start to square with each other. Mm -hmm. I think you can, you can, cause, cause you can, you can, you know, the way you're talking about it, like you can say, okay, well, if we didn't actually have capital, if we worked out of a place where, you know, we allocated time and resources to these things. Okay. Well, now we're talking about, um, government, like the, we're actually talking about something that requires a lower level of scrutiny because it's technically called time and manner regulations rather than content regulations, because content is based on political speech. And basically, if you're like, okay, well, you know, it's, it, it's a governor running, it's political speech, you know? And so, but if you say like, okay, well, this is just the time and manner in which we allow political candidates to speak, and we're not actually regulating what they're speaking on, then it, it actually falls under a lower level of scrutiny. So I actually, I will go back to my original position and the position I have held for a while and say that it's money's fault. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree, and I think like I think like that would be both a... both like on a fi like on a literal like, you know, 
Donald Trump spent a crap load of money on this election, but also in a metaphorical, it has tainted and twisted our laws because it is both speech and means. Yeah, yeah. And because it's, it's perceived in this way, you know, because it is, it is like the, the great god, the, the great golden calf of mm-hmm. our society. Not that I, I'm generally into biblical reference, but I, I, I think it's appropriate here, right? Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's not going to do anything. That's the fundamental thing about this Twitter shit. It's just not going to do anything, guys. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. And it just, yeah, like you said, it's both over and under inclusive at the same time. Anyway. Next story, we've had uh, a con- well, I guess it's a, a, a bit of a, a European revolution. Uh, Catalonia has decided that they no longer want to be part of Spain. And Spain said, too bad, ha ha ha, you can't do that, come fight me. So this, this story is, is pretty crazy, right? Because like the linchpin is that they had the, at the, around the start of October, they had the um the the referendum for independence right and um the spanish police were basically like if we beat up enough people then people won't show up to vote and we won't have to worry about what the referendum results are so they had like 40 percent turnout or something but then a 90 percent vote for independence right mm-hmm. and now they've just been everybody's been playing this kind of game of like how do we move forward here and like the way that we'll on the Spanish side, let us not have cops go beat people up again and keep Catalonia in the country. And on the Catalonian side, um, essentially, how can we pull somebody in outside of Spain to, like, tell the Spanish reg- uh, government to behave a certain way? <clears throat> and it's, just, it's, it's been really crazy, you know, because the EU has been hands-off the whole time since this happened. Spain is very unhappy like spain literally to this day doesn't recognize kosovo as an independent nation because they're like oh if we recognize kosovo our independence then maybe we'll have to like the political pressure on us from basque territory or catalonia will be too great right so like this affects spain spain's foreign policy and now we're coming into like like the home stretch or what's going to happen here it's getting get real guys yeah yeah, and so they they had this week they uh, uh pushed a, pushed for a declaration of independence, um, and uh, they uh, the prime minister uh, Marina Rajoy I am terrible with Spanish names, um, but it's actually uh, it's 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 Peninsular Spanish, so you just have a lisp that's unintelligible the whole time. Uh, oh, that's just how you pronounce everything. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> I. R- I, I can't, I can't, it's fucking ridiculous. I, I, uh, I turned to one of our uh, European correspondents uh, <laughs> uh, over the week talking about some of this and uh, asked how you were able to actually tell uh, European Mexicans apart from each other. <laughs> and um, he referred me back to the penis as a foreskin issue. And so... Um, I think that it might, yeah, be uh, be time for some penis inspection in Spain. But so, yeah. <laughs> what, the, what are you saying? <laughs> yes, this is right though. This is, well, that's actually the fundamental divide here between Catalonia and Spain. <laughs> Catholics and Protestants. They're they though. <laughs> 
There's oh, differences. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, I'm <laughs> thick. God. So there's going to be a snap election uh, for the region on the 21st of December. And if I understand how this works correctly, basically what they're trying to do is to say, okay, well, you had that one vote that was so low, but it was, you know, it was kind of that weird dichotomy. It's 40% turnout, but 90% for one thing. So let's see what happens if we take a vote and we and make a new parliament because they've essentially disbanded the parliament that um uh that declared independence so now they're saying okay well let's have another snap election see if we can't you know get, get different people in there and see what they say or the same people you know um and the problem with that is is that so the the revolutionaries they've declared independence they are working on setting up a, a government but if they take part in this election now they're saying well, you know, we're independent, except that we allow Spain to control our voting and we allow Spain to decide how we vote and where and when and who for and all of that. And it's also, I mean, be, still be part of Spain. It's, it's a pretty masterful move on the part of Rajoy because Catalonia has, has a large amount of, of, of autonomy within the Spanish political system. And so to say, but but Rajoy, as as the the central political figure of Spain, has a right to dissolve their parliament, and by doing this, and saying now you all have to get a new one, he he at once does exactly what you described. He like they need to take part. Those parties that are in the parliament currently that push for independence and got it, or rather got the vote, need to take part to remain in the parliament, and then, but also need to not take part to to be separate. And so. It's a good move, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. One of the parties, uh, the left-wing party, the CUP, it's called, um, they have already said they're not going to take part in the election, and that, you know, of course, throws a wrench in things, because if you've got a party in the parliament that is for independence, then they won't take part in the election for precisely the reason you lay out, you know, where are their voters going to go, right? And, I mean, it's, it's such a sticky issue for some reason. Uh, we, we actually, we got a great article I'm going to put up that's like takes three hours to read or something from Jacobin about this. And it's just, I mean, I'm having, of course, on like a, a, a democratic level, you know, I'm all for it. But it's just, man, it's just, why you got to be doing that right now, guys? <laughs> I mean, I understand, yeah, and in, and like in the democratic sense, and also uh, in the uh, empires are pretty bad sense, and like pretty outdated. Um, I understand it, but yeah, it's just like it's just a a, a quagmire, and and I think that uh, at least I can say that Spanish political history is not my biggest forte, but I, I did think that this was an important enough story that we needed to make sure we covered it just because of the importance of a, you know, imperial subject shaking off the shackles is always good. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, it is, it is I think, very important to mention that part of what was so striking about those images of, of cops from Madrid beating up Catalan voters is, is it called back to the Francoist era, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, yes, there's been a switch to a government that's more, you know, liberal and democratic, and it is liberal and democratic mm -hmm. to a large extent, but the same royal family is there that was there during the Francoist regime, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I mean, 
and it's also like Barcelona was the heart of the the, the Spanish revolution during the civil war uh, of the the anarchist movement and so on there yeah and that's uh, that's a history that that goes on today they still are extremely left-wing on on average yeah um and now i mean really right now they're kind of they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place they they need to be independent they need to do what they can for independence and the more they do that the more likely it is that's the central government of Spain is going to be sending in more and more intense, you know, repression, repression, be it, be it police, be it the military. And I mean, we on the socialist left are opposed to the police and the military as principles, not, not as individuals or anything, but, but in general, like that, that's, that's not a good thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. All right. Well, are you ready to turn over to Oklahoma news for the week? So yeah, moving on to Oklahoma news. Um, first piece of business is that uh, eventually someone's got to fund the state, or I guess maybe not, or whatever. So um, on Monday, uh, Governor Fallon announced a budget agreement, um, which, you know, it's nice when you know the matriarch gets to just go to the kids who are supposed to do their jobs and just say, "Here, take it." Damn. I think I th- I think it's really important to remember that what when when she and and the Republican House leadership announced this budget compromise what they meant is that they found one agreeable to like two thirds of the Republicans in the house. <laughs> not not anyone else. <laughs> uh yeah, so the the plan includes uh the following revenue measures, a uh, $1.50 per pack cigarette tax, a 6 cent fuel tax increase, revised alcohol taxes. Uh, and the restoration of the earned income tax credit. The bill would include a $3,000 pay raise for teachers and a $1,000 pay raise for state employees. Um, the House Democrats oppose the, gener- the, the cigarette tax. Um, I think that the raises for state employees and teachers was a way of trying to say, like, hey, come on now. Let's vote on something, you know? Let's just, let's just fudge yeah. something. It's not going to be perfect. And, like, I don't disagree with that. Like, I, it's, it's shitty and, like, not the way I would want to fund the state. But, like, it's better to, like, not die on this sword of, like, letting people starve to death because you're not paying them because you're refusing to tax anyone. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm very much of the opinion that the Democrats did the right thing, right? The Democrats said before we were even close to a special session, before the Supreme Court decision came out, they said, we feel this way and we felt this way the whole time. If you all want us to vote on something, you're going to have to increase the gross production tax. The end. The end of conversation. And the Republicans thought that they'd keep their nice supermajority in the House and be okay with it. And now, you know, Charles McCall is not can't can't bring himself to to do it because what their trade-off was on this budget wasn't just these pay raises and stuff for teachers and state employees um what they also said is that they would take a four vote on raising the gross production tax right Mm. and and this is not that's not a compromise we just anyone guess what would happen if you asked the oklahoma state legislature without any connection how they would vote on raising taxes on the oil, on oil companies in the state of Oklahoma, right? They're, they're going to vote, vote against it. And so they, they let this out. And the real reason they did this plan, like, 
I'm sure this is 100% what they were saying to each other in that office when they came up with this budget compromise was so that they can say Democrats don't actually care yep. about teachers. Yep, it's all political. Yep. They're just trying and, to you know, smear them because they don't have a plan either, but they can make it look like they have a plan. And then, you know, when they lie after trying to get someone in a position. They can blame Democrats for it. Yep. I mean, just look at this. Like, like the Democrats have consistently said, we want a budget plan that will structurally deal with our inability to pay, like to, to run the state government, right? One of these taxes that they have is a hike on low point beer tax, like the tax on low point beer. Low point beer is going out of the state of Oklahoma forever. Yep. Right? Like, we, we voted for that to stop being a thing in 2016, and they want to raise the tax on it to try and fund this new, you know, this new pay raise while also increasing, like, tax cuts for the poor. I'm totally for bringing back the earned income tax credit. I'm entirely for that on, on, on some level, right? But when how you're funding that is with something that's going to not be available as a resource in 2019, like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, I think that's precisely why, why, why it failed when they took a vote, why it got 55 votes. Like, they couldn't get, they could get nothing, you know? 55 votes. They have 72 seats in the House, and they couldn't get, they, they couldn't get over 55, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just, I, I'm, I, I'm just catching up on all of the, the stuff that has come even into this weekend, and it, the, the, the Senate has even, you know, called for the gross protection tax to be levied. And um, the failure of this, I mean, you, you just, like, some of these quotes, um, even from Republicans, um, have been pretty damning. Um, Senate Majority Floor Leader Greg Tree, uh, he's a Republican out of Oklahoma City. Um, this is following uh, Saturday morning... Um, there was a session, a Senate session, and um, they didn't have a quorum because dudes didn't show up to work after they haven't funded the state for four months. Um, and uh, this is this quote by Greg Tree is a uh, quote. Uh, we saw a lot of cowardice on display yesterday. We saw people vote for a teacher pay increase but not vote for the revenue to fund it. We saw people go into the committee room and refuse to put either a yes or a no on the board. We saw people present resolutions on social media to a comic convention and not show up and vote in committee. I quite frankly, like a lot of Oklahomans, I'm disgusted. We've tried everything we can out of the Senate. We had a bipartisan resolution. I can't underscore how thankful I am. John Sparks and Kay Floyd and the Senate Democrats are putting aside party politics. Party, party politics. And like, I agree. Like, they, they are, like, especially in the Senate, they actually seem like, I mean, like, they, they, they made a move to say, hey, you guys failed, so we're gonna have to put the gross protection tax on to the House. They, they put, put, passed a voice resolution to have them vote on the, product, the gross protection tax. But like you said, it's just not gonna matter because the, 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 the House, much like the House in the National, is just, it, the conservatives have become dysfunctional to the point of not being able to, to govern. Well, and I want to say this, too. I think it's important to remember that the Senate doesn't need Democratic votes to pass a new tax. The Senate has uh, more than more than 75 percent of, of the Oklahoma State Senate is Republican. So, 
I mean, I, I think with how the party politics actually breaks down, they will need Democratic votes to pass it. But they're even saying, we don't even necessarily need to talk to Democrats here to get this across. And we are willing to do that. And you, you people in the House can't get your heads around that. You don't understand that what these people have been saying for multiple months now is actually what they mean. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just... I mean, to quote Senator McCall, this bullshit. This bullshit. We got to splice that in there. We got to splice that in. Oh, there. I'm working on a. Oh, I'm working on not a thing, Senator guys. McCall. It's, it's House Speaker McCall. My bad. Yes, House Speaker of the House McCall. Uh, I, I'm working on a thing with that video, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Something might be coming out. Um, but what where this leaves us because leaves us because Speaker of the House McCall has a spine that's actually an oil derrick, uh, not made of bones, um, is in what, is, what people are calling the, the plan B, right? Uh-huh. Which just means um, taxing more poor people, right? Mm-hmm. By hiking the state sales tax on gas. And I mean, every Oklahoman pays the same amount of money for gas, essentially, right? To, depending on how far you drive, essentially. So that just hurts poor people more. Um, Utilizing cash reserves and carryover funds, the money that's going to go away and then be gone that we can't use again, and still, still cutting 60 to $100 million additionally to the budget hole we have right now. Um, And what what I think is most important to say about this, right, is, is that... McCall sits here and says, this is bullshit. And he says, this is bullshit to the new leader of the Democratic Party, the the new House Minority Leader, um, since Scott Inman very, very suddenly left the House and and dropped out of the governor's race. Uh, He he said to to Corey Williams, this is bullshit, right? That you all won't get behind this. And, And for some reason, for some reason, those like 20 odd Republicans that just think that if you make taxes, that means they're, if, they, if they vote on taxes, they're going to go to hell or something. Those people get a pass, right? Those people don't deserve a pass. Senator, rather, Speaker of the House McCall has no reason to be mad at Democrats for standing up what they're doing. And for some reason, he's swearing at them in, in public view, right? Because we, as a society, are so fundamentally okay with people saying, well, I think poor should starve to death. You know, well, and it's just like, like the so the the way the breakdown is is that you've got Republicans with a seventy two twenty eight majority, and McCall needs seventy six votes to pass a tax increase, and so twenty of the yeah, like you said, twenty of the Republicans will not vote under any circumstances for a tax increase, and then rather than leaning on them, the Democrats have said, okay. We'll, we, will say, we will say no to any tax increase that does not include higher taxes on oil and gas production and high-income filers. And, like, yeah. that's not insane. That's actually policy and, like, you know, like, Especially d- like because- discussion and, like, an understanding of your state and, like, working through a problem and, like, trying to do that. But, like, you have 20, you have almost as many Republicans as there are Democrats just refusing to even be a part of the process. And, and what's so crazy is on the whole, right, if we raise the gross production tax, you know, it's still going to be the lowest in the nation, right? 
And the Democrats have moved a lot on it because they started saying only 7% GPT. That's where we are. And they've moved to a point where they're basically saying we want effectively 5% or the equivalent of a 5% gross production tax on the first uh, two years of production, right? Or equivalent, right? So they're saying, okay, you all, because uh, some, some Republicans have floated around to 4%. Uh, an increase from two to four percent on on the first X months of production, and they've said, well, if you want to do that, then it's for a year instead of two years, like the five percent. Mm. We're totally open to that. They have been flexible, and they have said, there's no more flexibility anymore. Okay, if if you all want to raise these taxes, you right rather if you all want us to vote for your tax raises, you have to include these that we want, and then the one on high income earners is to some extent going back to how taxes have been in the state of Oklahoma before, which is also true with the gross production tax. Yeah. The only reason the gross production tax is this low is because we did that to subsidize fracking, to get them producing oil in the state of Oklahoma again, right? And um, there's, there's a thing I, I want to talk about um, that I think is important that I'm going to put up on the page. And... It, it, it's directly related to the story, right? And we're not doing it for our conservative reading list, even though we totally could, but it, because this is actually a part of the politics going on at the Capitol, right? It, it's an article by the Oklahoma editorial, right? And, and the reason I want to talk about it right now is because it's the exact same bullshit that Speaker of the House McCall is saying in the House, right? As his as his position as Speaker of the House, except it's coming out of the largest circulating news source in the state of Oklahoma. And so part of the story is not just that Republicans can't get those 20 votes to do what their party wants them to do. It's not just that the Democrats are saying, we told you from the beginning how we feel about it. It's that we have some version of Pravda Printing a newspaper in Oklahoma City, or, or the Fulkersha Beobachter, printing pure propaganda and calling it news, right? This is this is this is a part of it now, and, and and I think there's a line that's been crossed where now we can't even get good news in the state of Oklahoma, or at least in the Oklahoma City metro area, because of how gross our politics have become. That, that we feel comfortable blaming the opposition party for the failures of, of a party that has 72 seats. Like, I just, I, I'm just so angry about this right now, everybody. Like, people are going to starve now. People are going to starve because of this. Yeah. And it just, like, I, this editorial board article is pretty rough. Um, I'm going to read part of it. Yet after leading the change against funding efforts, including on the House floor Wednesday morning, Scott Inman didn't even vote and then abruptly announced he was resigning, which is pretty callous for what his, what his like, message was, is that he wanted to resign because he didn't feel like he was serving either the state or his family the way he should be. And like, if you feel that way, you're a human being. You sh should go be with your family. Like, you shouldn't be... Com, like fucked over Required. and commended into service yeah. and like conscripted it's like that's not cool no one's on board with that except i guess the oklahoma editorial board teachers weren't the only ones tossed overboard by democrats seriously seriously 
Seriously? All right, I'm not even going to deal with it. With their votes, and then he lists, they list half of the Democrats. They would rather ding local, and I just want to note, he names half the Democrats by name. I don't want to just read all these names off because they don't mean anything to anybody except their constituents, but like, damn. Like, seriously? Calling them out like that? Like, that's adult, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I, I just mature. It's like, I, 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 and then he, he calls out all of them. He calls yeah, out the no, rest he of call, them. Yeah, I, too, I, I know, he, I know, I know. But so with their votes, they, they showed they would rather ding local energy employers than preserve outpatient services for almost 200,000 Oklahomans with mental illnesses and addictions or restore a refundable earned income tax credit for low-income earners. It's like, why are you screaming? One, why are you screaming at the Democrats when 20 of the Republicans won't vote on anything? All you say about that is most of the Republicans who didn't, who, who didn't vote yes philosophically oppose all tax increases. And let's, let's talk about Are that for a second. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, like that phrase, uh, most of the Republicans who didn't philosophically oppose all tax increases, right? Number one, most. So not all of these Republicans are doing this because they philosophically oppose ta all tax increases. Whatever, whatever the shit that means. Whatever bullshit that is. But, you know, what Democrats are saying they philosophically oppose is the structural inability of the state of Oklahoma to fulfill its requirements to these people that they say Democrats are hurting, to, to consistently be able to fund the plans that the, the Oklahoma editorial board is getting, them mad, getting mad at Democrats about for refusing to fund them, right? With a text that's going to be gone in a year. Uh, I'm going to read this last quote, and then we can kind of, yeah, because I have some yelling I want to do too, but I just, I want to get through this so that we can get off this horrible article uh they then he go they go on the list the other half of the <clears throat> democrats and say they proved they would rather make empty political gestures like philosophically opposing all tax increases all tax, yeah then protect hospitals nursing homes and other medicaid providers from reimbursement cuts that could reduce poor citizens access to health care are you fucking kidding me seriously yeah. Do you like? You just have no idea what's going on. Okay, that's that's fine. We just have to. It's just insane. We just have to understand that the Oklahoma editorial board has no idea what's going on. They just they just don't just do not understand anything. They, I, 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 I meant it very seriously when I said that this is like Pravda, the the state paper of the Soviet Union, or the Fulkerschau Beobachter, the Nazi Party paper. Right. That is what the Oklahoman is when it's writing art articles like this. It is just writing what Speaker of the House McCall tells them to write and what the oil companies tell them to write. Yeah. It's not news. It's, this is what, and I don't even like this phrase that much, this is what fake news is. But more importantly, this is what money buys you, is blaming people who say we want to be able to have a tax regime in the state of Oklahoma that assures this kind the services that we think poor people need and, and instead you get bashed for you know philosophically opposing that 
Like, like it, fuck that. It's it's like, but like I just I can't get over them using poor people as a scapegoat anyway. Like they literally are the ones who blame everything on poor people, blame poor people for being poor, and like yeah. work in a system that like subjugates and uses poverty as a weapon to oppress. And now, now that you're giving one, you're giving a pass to twenty twenty of your Republicans, like almost like a quarter of the Republican Party in, in that has been voted into power who is saying they will not do anything ever to fund the state, and yet you have the brass-coated balls to sit out here and go, oh, but the Democrats are hurting the poor. The Demi- like, are you kidding me? Like, uh This is, this, this kind of straight from when Speaker of the House <laughs> McCall said, this is bullshit, he was actually referring to the words he told the Oklahoma yeah. Republic, right? And this bullshit, this pure bullshit. Did you see how many shares it has? What? How many, how many shares does it actually have? I, I, God. I mean, this bullshit is why I and you felt like we needed to start this podcast. Yep. Because there's not real news in the state of Oklahoma. The largest circulation in the state of Oklahoma is not real news. I'm I'm, I'm gonna tell everybody who's listening to this show right now, cut cut out this little segment of me saying this, send it directly to the Oklahoman, email it to them every day, tweet it at them. They're not real news. They are legitimately not real news anymore. Yeah, I, I, I just don't disagree. Um, it's just exhausting, um, the hypocrisy here. And it's just, it's so crazy because just looking at the article, it's like the hypocrisy in it is just words apart from each other. It's just so close. It's just, I don't understand how this person didn't write this and see their own logic dissolving. I just don't get it, but whatever. Talking about logic dissolving reminds me of a good friend of mine, a friend (laughs) I like to call... Mr. Scotchul Pruitt-Sizzizzes. And he, <laughs> our benevolent, wonderful EPA chief, um, he, he has another quote that we wanted to read to you. And, like, you talk about, like, the, 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 I think, you know, we both went to school at OU. Um, you talk about how we don't, we can't get real news here. You know, it's really crazy because we have one of the greatest national weather centers. Uh, Oklahoma is the most weather studied uh, place on the earth. You can go, there are, there are some of the most intelligent scientists. That national it's weather center is. It's like the best university in the world yeah. for meteorology. Yeah, it is absolutely cutting edge and amazing. And we still have all the oil that we're ripping out of the ground with pressurized water and causing earthquakes by that. But radioactive cum slurry is is the proper term for. Oh, the was bracket. it? Oh, okay. I I yeah, haven't yeah. gotten I haven't gotten the new um, <laughs> um Monsanto reading list, but um, I will be getting that soon, <laughs> and I'll be working through uh, all of these new fun terms. But anyway, I want to get to this quote from Mr. Scotty. Like Scotty Pruitt's, uh, true environmentalism is using natural resources that God has blessed us with. All right. So 
I'm going to presuppose in this conversation that God has indeed blessed us with these resources. So that's why we're ripping them out of the ground as fast as we fucking can. Like, I don't... <laughs> Uh, hey, 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 Carl, you, uh, you see that mountain over there? I heard there's some rocks in it. Let's make it a parking lot. <laughs> I just, hey, hey, there's a beautiful, beautiful tree there. Let's chop it down and make paper. <laughs> we, have, uh, uh, we, we have this beautiful natural preserve in the state of Alaska. You know what would make it prettier? Oil spill. Let's go, <laughs> go spill a bunch of oil. Yeah. On permafrost, right. That's great. Like, also, even... scientists, shut up. We didn't ask you any questions. What go sit mean? down. I didn't talk to you. Can we like go back to parsing this quote for a second, though? What does this mean? True environmentalism, from my perspective, is using natural resources that God has blessed us with. Like, that doesn't mean anything. He's basically saying true environmentalism is like using the stuff around us. How does that preclude actually trying to not destroy the environment? Like, I don't get that. <laughs> like, we have, the state of Oklahoma has a ton of wind resources. Like, that's also a natural resource that, air quotes, God has blessed us with. Like, what, what, the, what, what does this mean? <laughs> I genuinely don't know what it means. It doesn't say anything. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. It's just... It's like also like true environmentalism, like he invented that phrasing too. And I just don't, it just doesn't, it makes no sense whatsoever. Like I said, it's just like pulling, like because God put rocks places, we should get a hold of them and like not think about the consequences of that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the like lack here that is, is definitional is that it, not he doesn't say true environmentalism from my perspective is using natural resources that God has blessed us with in a way that lets us keep doing that, right? It's just I I do think though what the what this guy does later in the article where he's like this harkens um this guy man um who is a a, a climate scientist mm-hmm. um says, this harkens back to the Lysenko era of Stalinist Russia. Pseudoscientific theories about genetics advanced by Lysenko were embraced by Stalin. Um, When these theories were implemented as official Soviet agricultural policy, um, it it worsened crop yields and starvation, and scientists who challenged Lysenkoism were imprisoned when they challenged Stalinist orthodoxy. Which, like, I think it's really interesting that this is how this guy is talking about it, because as we were just talking about with the Oklahoman, it seems like these Republicans are just pulling stuff from the playbook of, like, demon authoritarianism, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and, like, I think it also goes to the conversation we had last week, where it's, like, see, like so we're, like, socialists who believe, in, or like, you know, communists that believe in the abolition of money, and, like, because people did bad things in the past, it's like, okay, well, we can't use their economic system. We can't be communists or you know, over-capitalists, but we'll just do all the things that we condemned them for. We'll just, uh, you know, 
imprison people for no good reason to make them lab labor slaves for people who don't work. We'll uh, produce propaganda that is just on its face false and incorrect. And then we'll uh, crack down on science to the point that um, education becomes uh, so ostracized as to make our population willing to believe that being, being smart is dumb. And then we'll just start imprisoning the scientists and no one will give a shit because we already told everyone how dumb they were. And that's, we're already like there. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there's just like not much <laughs> um, farther. But, like when you talk about like, oh, well, blah, blah. It's like, it's like, yeah, well, if all these terrible things happen under communism, how do you feel about it happening right now under capitalism? Shouldn't we mean that mean by your own logic that we shirk that and go fucking fix it? But of course, like the the fundamental thing here is that if there's enough money behind something, it clearly has to be good and moral, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, the the gospel of wealth and televangelism have have a nice home at at Oral Roberts University, um, and, and that's how people seem to think, and I and I I think that's how Scott Pruitt seems to think, and and oil companies have a shit ton of money, so clearly they can't be wrong. At least, at least back in, in the Stalinist days and so on, they, they had to pretend to give a shit about this kind of stuff, right? You know, they had to pretend to care about, like, enlightenment thought and freedom and stuff instead of just being like, oh, true environmentalism is using resources. <laughs> like, there's nothing. They, they, they give us nothing, and, and then we're supposed to be happy with it. That, that's where we've got. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just... It's just so twisted and backward at a certain point. It's just exhausting. It's just like, even like, even if you don't agree with like a certain Christian logic, it's like that's not even Christian logic. It's like a lot of Christians will actually like be decently environmentalist because like they have that same like true environmentalism. Environmentalism is respecting the things that God put on this earth, not ripping them and trashing them and shredding them and making products that are like detrimental to people. And then also like I think that there is something to be said about like the agriculture industry in Oklahoma with the fact that we have so prioritized cows, pigs and chickens as honestly like pretty pollution heavy, not very like healthy in the sense that like we pump them full of so much horse shit and like then use like all kinds of you know part like all, all the parts which is like not necessarily always bad but like the amount of gelatin we consume isn't good and like using that it's just like those weren't things you know we could if we were respecting the you know natural resources as placed by the divine it's like wouldn't we have allowed the indians to you know carefully cultivate their herds of bison which was a leaner better uh protein anyway and and wouldn't we also like today not be causing earthquakes in oklahoma exactly. with crack you know exactly um and so uh, we're gonna turn to our uh conservative reading list for uh, for the week, and uh, this one comes to us from, oh, excuse me, this one comes to us from KGOU, um, 
It uh, there's a story written by Don Gagne and how it is entitled "How the NRA Uses Its Political Clout: An Early Lesson in Oklahoma," and um, I actually think this is a really interesting story because basically it's going to walk through um, how the NRA kind of came to fruition. And so I'm just gonna, you know, normally we do kind of a conservative reading list of reading something terrible from the Oklahoma editorial board, but I figure we got enough of that earlier for the day. <laughs> Uh, just maybe and we got our our dumb oklahoma people quotes out with uh mr scott prude so i thought we'd actually do a little bit of a kind of history lesson here and this is what i really think interesting so prior to uh you know uh, you know prior to 1993 uh in 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 the 1980s um during the reagan administration um the NRA, and even prior to that, in the in the seventies and the sixties, the National Rifle uh, Association, they actually were not the like Second Amendment organization we know them as today. Um, they are they were actually much more involved with like, if you can imagine it, like it was like a hobby club more. It was like you'd go there and learn how to shoot a gun, or learn how to clean a gun, or learn how to like do lots of other things. There was even in the seventies, a um, in a a, a, uh, a member vote to remove the word rifle from the name of the organization because they actually just wanted it to be like a marksmanship club, where you would get like a, like a hunting club or a game club where you would go and do that. But then in nineteen eighty, um, the NRA began or nineteen eighty one the NRA began its lobbying efforts. And that began with, one of the places it began was the endorsement of Congressman Mike Sinar for re-election in Oklahoma. And so um, following, um, following this, of course, we all know that the Brady Bill was passed uh, in 81 after the assassination attempt on um, President Reagan that ended in the death of his bodyguard. And the Brady Bill just did some kind of common sense gun regulation. It really wasn't that big of a deal and then wasn't actually enforced very much. Um, and so um, this is... What's, yeah. you, like, what's interesting is that um, this is a guy, this uh, representative, uh, Sinar, um, who... who was for the Brady Bill, and was at the same time, uh, as the article describes him, an avid hunter, mm -hmm. right? Um, so he, he is someone, he was someone who used guns. Uh, he was someone who defended the right to own guns in a lot of ways. And then the NRA kind of made this switch, like you described, and gets mad at him for saying that Maybe we should, in fact, you know, keep guns for these kind of uses and make it harder to have guns just that are made to kill people. The, the quote is from him in 1993, um, six long murderous years have passed. 100,000 of our best and brightest citizens have been killed by handguns. And he didn't even want to ban handguns. He just wanted to make sure. I mean, sure I mean the regulations from the Brady Bill, five day waiting period, regulations and, 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 yeah. and, and uh, <clears throat> uh, background checks. Background checks, which is a thing. I mean, hunting has regulation too. You can't just go hunt. You need a license. You can only hunt X amount of things, et cetera, et cetera. Like gun use is regulated, generally speaking. And 
What's interesting is that the NRA changed from having supported him to now running anti-Sinar ads claiming that he's anti-gun in the Tulsa war, yeah. right? Anti-Oklahoma, so too. Yeah. Um, and, and they're supporting a Democrat, actually, mm-hmm. uh, when they're running these ads against Sinar in the time, right? Because back in the day, you know, I mean, it, it's actually in our la- lifetime that Oklahoma really made the switch. Uh, from Republican to Democrat, uh, rather from Democrat mm-hmm. to Republican. So, and, and it's it's really interesting to watch this, right? Because the NRA has the ability to start ruining people's politics and starts to gain this ability after the Reagan era, right? Yeah. Well, and I think that that is, I mean, uh, I think there are some really, really interesting things um, as we ended the cold war reestablished ourselves as a superpower and then got to hegemonic superpower areas um with our politics i think that you see a kind of soft iron curtain following reagan uh as gun violence increases you get this blowback from hard conservatives who want to keep their guns and these anti-federalists and libertarians who want to keep their guns but what ends up happening is that then it's just kind of this cycle because once you once those groups start and then you start getting the anti-abortion and, and anti you know on these hard conservative groups and they create this atmosphere through like not even themselves like I think that they, the hard conservatives that do exist like they are just bolstered by the two-party system causing such a split the the end of the cold war and it ending the way it did and then a ter- and then terrorism being in- interjected you know Mur- Murdoch and the Fox Corporation they saw exactly what they needed to do they just started up the propaganda machine the the other people the NRA knew they could drive like once the gun, once that stopped being a marksmanship club and the gun um uh, producers got involved. They realized that they could drive gun sales by telling everybody that the government was going to come take your guns. And so then they could drive gun. You know, it, it's the greatest example in the world, the bump stock uh, that we just had for the uh, Stephen Paddock uh, Las Vegas shooting. Those bump stocks, they said they were going to outlaw them. You can't buy one in the U.S. anymore. Why? They sold out. They're all in the hands of private citizens. And not only that, but guess what? If you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever the fuck you want. And it's just, it's one of those things. And it's, it's, it's why for us, capitalism is so central here. Because the NRA's capture by gun companies is why this is happening now, right? There's a profit line here. There's a profit line. And previously, the NRA was an organization that I think anybody should have been in, especially anybody rural. Why not? If you're going to have a gun, I, a gun safety organization I is went, nice. I, I, I'm an Eagle Scout, all right? I went through so much rifle and shotgun training. It's great. Everyone should know how to shoot a, a gun, mostly because it gives you respect for them. And you are, I, I honestly believe that like a great way to hinder gun violence is to give people respect for firearms, because they, then they understand them better. They're not so scary. When you know what they are, yeah, and you can you know, behave appropriately. I'm sure that a lot of us, almost all of us listening to this podcast, grew up in households. That had guns Yo. in them. I grew up in a household with a gun. You grew up in oh, a household yeah. with a gun. I can't think of someone that didn't grow up in a household with a gun off the top of my head. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are a few, but, you know, and that's okay. 
it's just it's important to have safe stuff, but it's not okay when gun ownership becomes this when guns become a reason to to keep selling things that exclusively kill people. Yeah. It's not it's not okay that now guns are a political issue, not because of of, of a need for new regulation or something, but instead because Smith and Wesson is not happy enough with its profits from selling guns to the U.S. Yep. military. You know? Yep. yep. Yeah, you're completely right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us for the week. Uh, if you want to check us out over on Facebook, go give our Facebook page a like. We're at facebook.com slash redstaroverok. You can check us out on Twitter at redstaroverok. Our subreddit, um, uh, where we put all of our... Um, uh, we put our links to our uh, episodes and articles. articles um, is at our Red Star over Oklahoma over on Reddit. Uh, you can check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes, Red Star Over Oklahoma. Uh, you can send us an email at redstaroverok at gmail.com. Uh, and really, guys, tell your friends about us. Uh, let, you, know, the, you know, we want this to be something that we can grow and do more fun stuff with. So let everyone know and go give us a rate and review on iTunes. It really helps out. So uh, thank you so much. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.